This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey guys, Jeremy here with Simple Life. Welcome to episode 16, I believe it is, of the Simple Little Life podcast. Hopefully you guys are doing well. Uh, hopefully uh, you guys have had a good productive week, enjoyed your weekend. Uh, we had a really great weekend. Um, you know, as we approach the busy season of the Christmas shopping spree time or whatever, uh, we kind of like to really hold on to every single weekend that we can get because I know there's going to be a time and it's funny, we can kind of sense when it starts and, you know, we're not going to have free weekends soon. So, uh, we just, uh, really kicked back this weekend, took two days off, which is not typical, but again, as we kind of approach this crazy season, uh, I find myself doing that a little bit more often than we used to. Uh, we've had some cold weather roll in here, which I'm actually really excited about. Uh, right? <laughs> well, sorry, yesterday the high was minus 8 degrees Celsius, which is about 17.6 Fahrenheit. And we've got snow on the ground. This is our second snowfall. The first snowfall we had was about a week ago. We got like two inches overnight, and then during the day it just disappeared. And we had no snow in the uh, by that evening. Uh, but this snow has come and it's been on the ground for a few days. And the thing I'm really excited about is that this kind of signifies uh, ski season. <laughs> when I see snow on the ground and when it's starting to get cold, you got to scrape your windshield and warm up your vehicle. Uh, I get really excited that we're going to have some ski time soon. So uh, the last year, we did quite a bit of cross-country skiing and then quite a bit of downhill skiing. And I'm sure there's a lot of folks listening to this podcast that may not know the difference and have well, I've obviously never been skiing before. Uh, so you've got cross-country skiing, which is kind of like, uh, I think classically it's called like uh, Nordic skiing. And that's basically where your skis, the heels are free. Uh, so essentially it's kind of just the toe portion of whatever boot or shoe you wear is locked to the ski. And then your your heels can come up and down and they're kind of free of the ski. Uh, there's two different ways to do that type of skiing. One is called skate skiing. And that is typically a faster uh, way to go. Uh, and that's kind of where you push off side to side and your skis are kind of like in a V pattern. Uh, if you've ever seen like the biathlon at the Olympics or something like that, uh, that would be skate skiing. And then there is uh, the traditional... Uh, they call it classic skiing, I think. And that's where you basically, your skis are always facing forward, um, always kind of straight in front of you. They're never going out to the sides. And typically, uh, when you do that, you're in some type of a groomed trail. So uh, we'll go up to like the Kananaskis, or sorry, the Canmore Nordic Center, and they'll have, they'll put in these tracks. They've got this grooming machine, and often it's something that's like pulled behind a uh, kind of a tracked vehicle, or sometimes it's just a snowmobile. And they'll put in these grooves, and they're about two inches deep, two to three inches deep. And it just sets these two grooves that are about, I would, I don't know, just guessing like six inches apart, eight inches apart maybe. And your skis kind of go in there, and they don't come out. And it's a lot of fun. And we ended up doing that a lot last year because uh, my oldest son was on a biathlon team. Uh, so they do the skate skiing. I forget the distance of a track. It's like one to two kilometers, maybe like a mile. And then they come in and they shoot rifles at targets. 
it's a, it's an Olympic sport and they can do it through the air cadet program. And so, um, my, both my boys had kind of, they were on the team and then you go through the different rounds and my oldest ended up going on to, I think that was the provincial comp. Yeah, those provincials. And, um, it was his first time. He actually did fairly well. Uh, but when he was training, it was like every single weekend he was up there. And so we would kind of drop him off and he'd be with the team training, shooting, and then we would go on the trails as a family. And it was a lot of fun because uh, cross-country skiing, it's its faster than walking. And there are certain sections where you're going downhill and you can actually get some decent speed. Uh, but for the most part, it's very, very relaxing. And uh, for those that have never seen or if you see people do it and it doesn't seem to make sense, the way the technology behind it uh, for a classic cross-country skiing is you've got your skis and they've got like the arch. Um, so in the middle where you step, if that's if you weren't on that ski, that part would be off the ground, and there'd probably be about an inch clearance. Uh, so you got the heel portion of the ski itself, and like the very tip, the toe of the ski are touching, and then it's like a big arch. And when you buy your skis, it's kind of it's kind of dependent on your weight and your size and and your style of skiing. But what you do is on the center portion, maybe like a foot or a two foot distance underneath where your feet are, you put a kick wax they call it or a grip wax. And so this wax is designed that when you kind of push onto it, it sticks to the snow. But if you have the right skis, when both of your your legs are like, when you've got your weight evenly distributed on both skis, there's still a tiny little bit of clearance, uh, the portion of the ski that has this sticky wax on it, uh, to the snow itself. So when you're gliding, that sticky wax shouldn't be touching the snow. And so that allows you to kind of push with the one foot. And as you push down, it gives a little grip, but then you can glide and you can actually ski. So that's kind of how you move. It's really, really quite interesting. And when you get into it, uh, even when you don't really get into it, um, you know, typically you've got different waxes and different temperature ranges. So uh, when we go skiing, I wear a fanny pack and then I have all these different types of waxes with different stickiness levels in them. And uh, even depending on the condition, sometimes when you start near the lodge and then you keep going and I think you can do like 17 kilometers, which might be, I don't know, guessing like nine miles or something like that. And then turn around, come back. Uh, Even once you get up into the mountains, often the snow is different and you'll have to kind of clean off your skis, put new different wax on. Um, It's kind of a lot of work, kind of finicky, but it's a lot of fun. And then the next type of skiing that we do is my favorite, and that's downhill skiing. And obviously a lot of you probably know what that is. You go to a ski hill, uh, you ride the chairlift up, and you come down. Now, last year, we weren't able to get into our ski season until after the Christmas rush, and I'm thinking that's probably going to be the case again this year, Uh, but we do have our ski passes. Uh, We ski at a local hill called Nakiska, and one of the reasons for that is that it's very close. It's about, uh, I think it's like an hour and 10 minute drive each way for us. Uh, So it's not that long. You know, you can leave in the morning, you can be there when the chairlifts open up, and it's a decent hill. It's not one of the best around by any means. And I mean, we've got like Lake Louise and Sunshine Mountain. Uh, we've got a lot of really good skiing here, but it is in the Rockies. It's in Kananaskis. It's gorgeous. And uh, for my children, they're starting out. Last year was kind of their first serious year of skiing. Uh, it's definitely a good enough hill, uh, even for me. I mean, I've skied ever since I was four years old. Uh, that's what we did as, as a teenager growing up, as a kid growing up. I always had a season's pass, and uh, it actually worked out really good when I was a kid. Uh, one of my really good friends in school's name was Anthony, and his family loved skiing too. Uh, but what we would do is every other weekend, uh, 
one, you know, either his parents or my parents would drive us to the hill. So on Friday after school, we'd have a sleepover. We'd either be at my house or his house, and then we'd go up on Saturday. So uh, it's keyed pretty much every single weekend when I was a kid. Uh, in fact, I think one year, what did I get out? I think one year I went skiing 67 times, uh, days of skiing. We used to do like week-long holiday ski trips down in Montana. Uh, but I love skiing. And then when we had kids, we kind of got into the whole hockey thing. And never really did much skiing, and and I kind of miss it. And you know, <laughs> hockey's kind of a different, a different lifestyle. Uh, there's good things to it, and there's bad things to it. And I kind of find it comes in waves. Right, right now, or at least when we were in it, uh, we were going through a lot of pretty terrible things. Um, yeah, we had we had coaches that had charges pressed. Um, kicked out of the league uh really intense and i i don't know you know it's, it's like anything i think any sport that the kids can be in i think parents can take it way too far and uh you know we were definitely going through that at the time so we just thought you know what let's step back for a bit and then the same thing was happening with my daughter's dance she had actually danced for the alberta ballet uh very competitive and is getting more so uh it's getting to the point where i think how old was she 11 years old and it was mandatory that we did three competitions in the United States uh, per year at least. So, you know, they'd have these competitions either in Vegas or L.A., uh, New York, all over the States. And we had to do at least three of them. <laughs> and we kind of like, you know what, she's 11 years old. Um, she just likes to dance. And, and so that's kind of why we pulled her out of that. Our kids weren't playing hockey. And we looked for something. And I thought, you know what, I grew up skiing. Let's go skiing. Uh, the thing I love about downhill skiing is it is a great family activity. Uh, when we were doing hockey, you know, I had two boys, actually three boys actually in the last year, my, my youngest was playing too. So we had three boys on three different teams. And the league that we were in uh, was really broad. Uh, we would go, I would say probably from the farthest team to the farthest team could be about three to 400 kilometer drive. Um, so, you know, you'd get up in the morning, you'd drive for literally two and a half hours. And a lot of times this was like in the, the bald prairies in minus 25 degree weather, nothing, you know, there's nothing around, there's no coffee shops and you just drive to these little podunk arenas that once they turn the heat on as high as they'll go, there's still minus five in there. And, um, it was kind of crazy. And so what that looked like as a family Essentially, it's like, okay, Friday nights, you know, we'd be together. And then Saturdays, I'd, you know, it was always kind of divide and conquer. Uh, one would go one way, one would go the other way. Uh, and like Sunday nights, it's like, oh, hey, honey, nice to see you again. And so basically all weekends, uh, you know, they're just, we'd kind of divide our family up and pick who's going where, who's going this and try to make it all work. And there's certain aspects of it that are fun, like when you go to a tournament or something like that. But overall, it's not a great family thing. It's not good for your entire family. And I find quite the opposite to be true for skiing. Uh, you know, doesn't matter the level of your children when they're skiing. You can you can go up with them. Uh, my wife, this was her, last year was also her first year starting out. And so she obviously, uh, you know, she didn't have the experience to fall back on like I did. And uh, she would ski with the two younger ones and I'd take my two older ones. And they got to the point even, like they, they didn't start out super great, but they're athletic and, you know, good at hockey and good at skating. And so a lot of those different kind of skills and balance points transfer over. And at the end of the season, I mean, they were almost having to wait for me <laughs> instead of vice versa that it was in the beginning of the season. And then even my wife and my youngest, they've gotten to the point where we can all ride the same chairlifts together. 
Uh, now, my two oldest boys, they like to give her. <laughs> they just like to go really fast. So uh, typically what we'll do is I'll, I'll you know, kind of stay with my wife and the younger two. And often my older sons will end up doing two runs per one of ours. But at the same time, we still run into each other all the time. We'll still do like four or five runs as a family in a day. You're driving up together. You're having lunch together. And it's a really good family time. And even, you know, sometimes my wife and I, um, last year I tried snowboarding, which was a great mistake. And it was about like one o'clock in the afternoon. I had fallen so many times that I was I was just done. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to keep going or else I'm going to just injure myself worse. And so my wife and I, we just hung out in the lodge. You know, you have a coffee and you can sit there and watch the kids. They'll come in, warm up, eat something. And so I really, really like uh, skiing as a family. We're really looking forward to that happening. And that kind of, I guess that's kind of why I started talking about the weather. Um, obviously, the changing seasons, uh, things are changing and it's really exciting. Uh, some other news coming, uh, something I can actually not fully disclose, but I can start talking about and I'm very excited about is that I do have a channel sponsor coming for uh, my Simple Little Life YouTube channel. Now, I have not accepted sponsorships for a long time, uh, primarily because I haven't gotten one that I've wanted. I've been offered a lot of sponsorships, but you know, it, it's such a finicky thing because I understand that if you want to make a living doing YouTube, you have to treat it like a business. And if it's a business and if it's, you know, honest, there's no such thing as selling out. I mean, ultimately, you're trying to raise funds. Um, but there's so many different sponsorships that I've said no to because they really have nothing to do with what I'm excited about. Uh, you know, we know the classic video games or this or that, build a website, blah, 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 blah. Uh, maybe the website one I would go for if they came around again because I've I think I built like five websites in the last last two months with this particular company. Um, I'm actually on there. I don't know what they call it. They sent me an email saying because I've done so many websites with them, I'm on like the ah oh, the inner circle, or I I forget. It, they give you some term, and it's kind of like oh, you're in a special group of people now because you know how to build these websites. But um, this sponsor that I do have is uh, a company that I'm very excited to work with, and. Uh, those kind of a backstory, if, if there's anybody curious about, you know, their own YouTube and uh, maybe making a go at this. I've been working with this company trying to get this deal for, it's been the better part of two years now. Uh, originally, I was dealing directly with them and we had things kind of lined up, but then it was kind of an odd situation because I had never really worked with a sponsor and they had never really worked with a quote unquote influencer. Fast forward about a year later, uh, essentially they kind of said, you know what, we're we're not sure exactly what we're going to do. We want to do this, but we want to make sure we do it properly. And we've never worked with influencers, so we might go and get some some expertise, some outside help. And that's what they ended up doing. And so I'm working with this company again, but it's actually through a marketing company. And they're a very, very big marketing company. Um I'm really not allowed to say too much, but they work with some massive brands in Canada. And uh, this brand that I'm working with, uh, they offered me a whole bunch of different companies to work with. And I said, well, this was the only one that I was willing to work with. And I'm really excited about it. So uh, last week I signed the last contract and uh, kind of interesting, you know, kind of have a, a set time with an option to extend and then reevaluate. Um, I did negotiate a bit. Their original terms weren't exactly what I wanted. And I'd kind of thought that, you know what, I've never done 
cheap sponsorships, right? I've had uh, video games say, hey, we'll give you $250 per video, and you can do up to four videos a month. Uh, but the problem I have is that I, I'm not a fan of video games. I really, truly think video games waste a lot of great potential. And I know, you know, I'm, there's certain things where if, if you do it to unwind in the evening or if it's something like, oh, Saturday afternoon, you're going to play an hour or two of video games. That's great. But from what I have seen, people that, in, that get into gaming, it's not quite that casual, right? It's kind of something they're doing all the time. Uh, they, they have... It's almost addictive, I guess, um, and I don't want to get too too into that, but I, I just think when people are spending hours and hours and hours a week in front of a screen, and then again, I mean, if that's what they like and they're not harming anybody, sure, uh, but the way that I look at it is like, man, you could be building something. You know, you could actually be contributing to society. Uh, I get a lot of comments on my YouTube channels. People say that, oh, no, actually, it's really good for eye-hand coordination. So is building stuff. So is a swinging a hammer while you're holding a nail. Um, I, I, I know there's a lot of arguments. I will personally, <laughs> it'd be really, really hard to sell me on the benefits of a grown man playing a video game. <laughs> I just don't see it. Um but then again, if, if that's what people like, if that's what you like to do, good for you. You know what? That's that's why it's your life and you're allowed to do your thing. Uh, but I guess that kind of to say that's why I've always turned these these ads down or these companies down, these sponsorships, because I personally do not want to promote playing a video game, especially a video game on your phone. Like the cell phones are just so insane now. You know, you can't go anywhere and have and see people's faces, not because of the mask thing, because of their, like, staring at their phone, you know? You're waiting in line up for your pizza to be ready, and everybody's looking at their phone. So anyways, the sponsorship that I do have, I'm really excited about. I know we kind of took, uh, <laughs> we're just taking, like, little little trails in and out of the main subject matter here. But that's okay. That's okay. we got to fill up some time here with this podcast. Um, I haven't been doing many interviews lately, and, and probably one of the main, there's two reasons for that. One of them, it's been quite difficult to schedule. Um, obviously, you know, I've talked to quite a few people and it's like, okay, I'm working this day. I'm not, it was just kind of hard to get together. And then secondly, a lot of people don't have good audio setups. I love podcasts that have good audio. Uh, those are the two main reasons. It's just difficult to schedule interviews. And then it's, it's, you know, once you can get that done, then I also want to make sure that they've got a decent setting audio equipment and, uh, a decent microphone anyways, and sometimes that can be a challenge. So I've been doing a lot of these single shows. Uh, I have a new podcast coming out with a host. I'll probably let you know about that in the future. Uh, I'm actually really excited about that, though. Uh, we've invested, uh, the, the gentleman that I'm going to be doing this with, he's uh, set up a studio. He's bought a, like a Rodecaster Pro like me. We've got the same microphones. Uh, we've done a couple tests uh, using some really good quality high-end like recording software on the internet, and it's sounding pretty good. Uh, so we just need to start recording a couple episodes. I'm excited about that, and that's going to be a weekly show. And I think the really nice thing about that is uh, when you do the two people podcasts, you get conversation, and the entire podcast could be just listening to two people talk, and I think that can be interesting. I'm really excited about that because conversations kind of have their own flow. You know, you know, one of the hosts could be discussing something and then, oh, wait a minute, tell me about that. I want a little more information on that. And you can kind of dive down on, on different subjects and it happens very organically. Whereas something like this, uh, either I've got a list in front of me 
which I've, <laughs> I've never had a list in front of me. Uh, there's absolutely nothing in here right now. I'm just hand-holding the microphone and spitballing. And so that's what my podcasts typically are. Um, or you could have, you know, kind of like a much organized uh, structure where it's like, okay, these are the topics we're going to go over, dot, 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 dot. Uh, but multiple hosts, I find, are always a little bit more interesting. I was kind of like listening to them a little bit better. Um, having said that, you know, sometimes it's a little shorter podcasts. Like, I guess that's kind of where this one's going is they're mostly going to be me and mostly slightly shorter. You know, I'm not trying to gun for the one hour mark. If it ever happens, great. If not, I mean, we can be happy with a, a 15 minute podcast if that's what we have. Currently, I'm showing at 20 minutes and 40 seconds on my little roadcaster here. But yeah, I was, I was talking about that and the sponsorship. Uh, so I've sent the things away, and if all goes well, I'll be doing my first video for them in November. Uh, I owe them one video per month, and I'm really, really excited about it. And this is a sponsor that is entirely pertinent to my YouTube channel. Um, it's not going to be like, what? Wait a minute. Like, you're selling makeup now, Jeremy? Or is this Tupperware? Like nothing like that. Uh, really excited to be working with this company. And I'm uh, the way I'm approaching this is that we've got our, our terms and conditions, and I've agreed to them. Like I said, I negotiated a little bit. They came to me, and I said, well, yes, I do want to work with you, but I'm not happy with this number. And we kind of back and forth a little bit. And really, I think anytime they're approaching you, it's because they want what you're doing. And so you always need to remember that if you end up getting sponsorships or or whatever, there's certain blanket agreements where it's like, listen, it, we just give these to all these creators. Like, I don't know, maybe some generic shaving thing on my dauber, and it's like, here you go. But if it's actually a good one, and and I, I guess I'm not entirely experienced, but I always think that if it's actually a real good opportunity and they really want to work with you, uh, you can push back a little bit. You can be like, you know what, listen, I, I, I want to work with you. I really do. Uh, but this is what I'm going to need. And so there's a couple different, um, it was structured with a couple different things and I kind of pushed back on all of them and I got more than they originally offered me on all of them. And, uh, it's going to allow me to actually do a better job and I'm really excited about it. So I'm not, I'm not allow, obviously allowed to disclose information on the sponsorship, but you will know when it happens. And the way that I'm going to do this is I want to work with them for years and years and years. This isn't something that I'm like, okay, I want to you know, we'll do this six month term, maybe have the option to extend it for seven more months. I want this to be like, okay, wow, this is, I want to make sure it's worth it for them because I need to be providing value to them. Uh, but then if I can do that, they can actually provide a lot of value to me and they can actually compensate me for my time. So I'm going to give this a real good shot. Hopefully this can be a long-term partnership and I'm really excited about it. And I think you guys will be too. Uh, a lot of you guys know this company. A lot of you guys use this company. And um, yeah, really excited about that. So that's coming down. Um, finishing up the last couple of knives that I have on order. I'm uh, doing some interesting stuff. It's, it's cool. I had a, uh, one of my customers wanted a knife that he designed. And it's a very interesting design. It's when I see it, the more that I work on this knife, the more I actually like the design. But it is absolutely nothing like anything I would draw. Like when I looked at the the portions and the way the handle is and the blade, I'm like, wow, where did this come from? Uh, some knives, I guess you kind of look at them. It's like, okay, yeah, that resonates with me. I, I could see that. Uh, this wasn't one of those. I was like, that's a very interesting looking knife. But the more that I work on it and the reasons that he wants this knife made this way, it makes a lot of sense. 
Uh, the cool thing is that he ordered two of the exact same blade, but in two different knife steels. So he ordered the first one in Nitro V, and he ordered the second one in S35VN. And he wants to see what the difference is. So I'm really excited, uh, actually, once he gets these knives, to keep in touch. And I want to, you know, keep asking him what he finds. Uh, this is something I'm like, man, I should do this for myself. Make two bushcraft-type knives. And that's what these are. These are knives that he's going to actually use in the bush. He does a lot of uh, camping and, and stuff like that. And so I'm really interested to find out what his thoughts are uh, using two of the exact same blades. So I want these like as identical as possible. They're going to have different handled uh, scale, different color handle scales. Um, but the thickness is the same. The grind's going to be the same. You know, I want it, the, the edge to be ground to the same thickness. I'm going to sharpen them to the same angle. So ultimately, you know, this would be a fairly good representation of the actual characteristics of the steel and how the steel performs, you know, which one is going to hold an edge longer, which one is harder to sharpen. Um, is there one that's more wear resistant over a year or two? So really excited about that. And also looking forward to, you know, the post delivery, a continuation with my customer on these knives. It's going to be really cool. And then, um, yeah, kind of making some organization changes around here. Uh, I got to look at, it's funny with the winter time coming on, I need to put winter tires on our vehicles. Uh, a lot of you guys in the States might not know even what that means, but we have special tires here uh, that are a softer rubber compound uh, so that when it gets really cold, they still have their grip to the road. Uh, you know, if you just took some touring tires and you throw them into minus 20 degrees Celsius, <laughs> they become very, very hard. And they really, it's amazing how much of their traction they lose just because that rubber becomes so hard. So uh, winter tires are typically a softer durometer rubber. And then they also have different tread patterns. Obviously, they're designed. Uh, a lot of them have like real, real fine cuts, like a whole bunch of little lacerations. Uh, the idea being that that can kind of grip better on icy situations. Um, a lot of people actually stud tires here, so you can put metal studs into your tires. Uh, we did that with our last set of tires, but we had problems where the studs were actually going through, and it was just like every three days we'd have a new leak. We were basically puncturing these tires, and I think it's because these studs were installed incorrectly, but it was a real pain in the butt. Um, but one thing I need to get done today is actually put on these new winter tires, and then I need to work at transferring a storage thing. So like right now I've got my snowblower inside, uh, and I've got my lawnmowers outside. I mean, I don't have enough covered storage space for the equipment that I have. Uh, so now I'm making the transfer. I'm going to put my lawnmowers and all my winter maintenance machinery into the shipping container. And then I leave the snowblower outside um, just so that it's always available. You know, when it snows, it's nice just to have that there. You can pull it out and start snowblowing. And uh, this year we're supposed to supposed to get a lot of snow. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens. And then... I've got some videos planned for my Simple Little Life YouTube channel, uh, some improvements that I'm going to be doing to my garage that are going to be kind of part of this uh, sponsorship with this company. And then if you haven't been watching, um, I'm doing, I didn't announce it, but essentially I'm doing another 30-day challenge on my other YouTube channel, Jeremy Gertz. So the idea behind that, um, some of you may know that when I had Simple Life in the beginning days, I did a 30-day video challenge where I would shoot, edit, and upload a video every day for 30 days. The goal behind that one was to get fast at editing, and that's the exact reason that I'm doing it again. Um, you know, once you 
once you take a couple of weeks or if you're fairly sporadic with your video content, you get so slow in the editing process. And it is amazing how much faster you can be when you're doing it every single day. Uh, so now that's kind of what I'm trying to do, uh, kind of wide range of subject, wide range of subject matter that I'm uh, filming. Um, but I'm getting to the point now, actually, there's been a few videos I've put out that were less than one hour total time. Uh, that includes filming and editing, thumbnail, uh, putting whatever tags in, you know, the uploading process. You got to answer some questions, blah, 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 blah. Less than an hour for some of my recent videos. I'm really, really excited about that. That to me is huge. Um, and, and I'd, uh, you know, if, if some of you guys want to get into the YouTube stuff, um, the one thing I hear all the time people say is, oh man, it takes forever to edit. And I wholeheartedly agree. The way that I got better was to do a lot of it. And even these videos, you know, think about this, you don't have to put them up. If you want to get good at editing, say, hey, you know what, I, I want to learn how to edit fast. I would challenge you guys this. Uh, do a whole week, or if you want to be crazy and take a month to do it, but shoot and edit and upload one video per day. Try it for a week. Uh, even if you don't do the upload portion, shoot a vlog, you know, follow yourself around, see what you can do to try to make that interesting or in your mind, what is interesting. Obviously, we have our different opinions and ideas about that. But if you did that for a week, you would be much quicker at the end of those seven days at the editing process, at the filming process, even your workflow. Like, what do you do with the files? What type of folder and organization system do you put them in on your computer? Uh, it's incredible how fast you get in a very short time if you do it every single day. And it's a pain in the butt. It really is. There's been a lot of days here where I'm like, the last thing I want to do is make a video, including today. I, I haven't made a video uh, for today. Today is Monday, October 19th. And I do want to have a video come out today, but I haven't. I have no clue what I'm going to do it on. Um, but I'm like two-thirds of the way through this 30-day video challenge. I did miss one day, and that was last week, uh, but I put an extra video. There's one day where I uploaded and shot two videos, one on Simple Little Life, one on this Jeremy Gertz channel. So if you guys want to get into this stuff, if you want to learn how to edit video, just edit video. Same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing, really, I guess, when you're talking about making knives. You know, how do I get better at grinding? Grind more knives. Do it. Anything. If you want to get better at anything, do it more and you will get better. Uh, so you can check that out, uh, Jeremy Gertz on YouTube. Um, it's kind of fun. Uh, I eventually am going to kind of tone down, not so much every day. Right now, again, I'm just trying to put content up there. Uh, it was also kind of fun trying to grow a brand new YouTube channel under the new stipulations. Um, right now, my channel there can't be monetized because I don't have enough watch time. Uh, you have to have 4,000 hours of watch time in the last 12 months. And I'm really close. But I also don't know if I'm going to monetize. And this is going to kind of tie in with my recommendation. So we won't talk too much about that right now. But I guess actually that kind of brings us towards the end here. Um, da -da 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 -da. Again, I have no list in front of me. I'm just kind of babbling here. And I appreciate you for listening to it. Uh, yeah, no, we can, uh, we can get into my recommendation and uh, I guess I can talk a little bit more about why I don't know if I want to monetize my other channel. You know, there's a certain sense where, and I've talked about this a little bit before with the reason why I started it, a YouTube channel, but when people come to Simple Little Life, there's a, there's a point where I think they expect to see some type of a making video, 
something knife making related, maybe, you know, something for my garage, making a tool, whatever. And there's a certain sense where I feel like I have to meet that obligation. I started my second YouTube channel because I just want to film whatever I want to film. Uh, yesterday's video was me trying to make some food, again, just sitting outside of my, my basement door, uh, cooking in a little single pot. It's very cold outside. And there's some of those, then there's some videos where I literally just talk about stuff. Uh, talking headshot. Um, you know, I did one two days ago about toxic people. And uh, other videos about, you know, things going on around here, about bicycles. I'm really free to do whatever I want on that YouTube channel. And I love it. I really am excited about that one. And then the other thing, too, with it not being monetized... You know, there's a certain point where I feel like if somebody's going to sit through an advertisement, and lately it seems on YouTube, you can really, you can really stack up a lot of advertisements on your videos, especially right now. You know, we're in the fourth quarter of the, the year, kind of, and this is where all the advertising dollars are spent. Um, but there's a point where if I know a video is like, whatever, I'm just doing this for myself. I don't want somebody to have to sit through like 15 seconds of advertisements only to be disappointed and find out like, yeah, I'm really not interested in this, you know, and they click away within the first minute. Um, and so, you know, coming up with with reaching these 4,000 hours of watch time, uh, soon I, I will have the option to monetize that second channel, but I really don't know if I want to because there's a certain sense of freedom <laughs> that I have. It's like, if you don't like it, I don't really care. Like, literally, I'm not getting paid a red cent to make this content. So buzz off, you know. Um, on the other hand, you know, if you start monetizing your videos and you're going to start accepting money for making these videos, then it kind of feels like you've got paying customers. And it's like, well, I better give them what they want. And and that's good, right? That That's kind of how it works. So when I make a video for a simple little life, I want to make sure it's worth waiting f through those advertisements. And I want to make sure that I'm, I'm servicing the people that are there to see something specific because there was kind of... Uh, an unwritten agreement between uh, myself as a person making these videos and the people that have subscribed. They said, you know what, we want to see this. And especially if I dial down and kind of look at where all my subscribers come from, which videos get the most views. It's definitely loud and clear. People are saying, we want to watch this on this channel. And so I want to acknowledge that and I want to uh, kind of build towards that. And with my second channel, I mean, whatever, I can do whatever I want, and I haven't made any promises. And I guess my recommendation is actually, it, it has to do with YouTube, it's not a channel, but it's actually YouTube Premium. Now, I remember when YouTube Premium first came out, I saw it in some industry newsletter or something like that, and it wasn't available in Canada. And I thought, oh man, I wish it was. Um, I it, Probably a month or two ago, I got a notification saying, hey, join YouTube Premium. So I looked into it. And at least at the time, I'm not sure what the pricing structure is now, but a single user YouTube premium is $9 per month. Seems a little high, seems a little expensive. Uh, but then again, I mean, you know what? We have a satellite dish on our house and we pay $109 per month. I mean, I, th I think that's probably going away soon because like we've got like Netflix and Disney Plus and I honestly don't know if there's reason for us to be beaming this stuff into our house for $110 a month. That's pretty steep. Um, 
I know a lot of Americans might hear that and be like, that's insane. Uh, we, we pay through the nose for everything in Canada. That's just how it is. I mean, our cell phone bills every month are like three, $400. Uh, I see these ads, you know, on, on networks from the U.S. And it's like, get your phone for like $20 a month. I don't think you could ever do that here in Canada. We kind of get hosed on everything, even like unlimited data on your cell phones. You know, that'll be an option in the U.S. for years. And then it'll slowly start trickling down to some... Some Canadians, but they'll pay like 500 bucks a month for it or something ridiculous. So anyways, they also had a plan. The YouTube Premium also had a plan where it was, I think it's $17.99 for a family suite. And so that gives you six users. And so we went for that. And I tell you, uh, the first few days when you see a video and, you know, you're browsing, it's like, okay, I want to watch this. And you start just watching it and there's no advertisements. It's really weird. It's like, oh, wow, it's kind of weird. And then uh, sometimes I'll like if you kind of click a link through Instagram or something like that and it takes you to YouTube video like through the app, it obviously doesn't know your your login stuff and so you have to watch an ad. And I remember I'd, I'd gone this YouTube premium for a couple of weeks and then I looked at a video somehow that wasn't through my YouTube account. I wasn't signed in and an ad started to play and I was like, what the heck is going on here? And I never realized how nice it is not to have any advertisements. So... Uh, I would recommend if, if you consume a lot of YouTube content, I would actually consider looking at getting the uh, the YouTube uh, premium feature. It's not just that there are no advertisements. It also allows you to download content to your device. So you could actually watch YouTube, like download it and watch it on an airplane or something like that. And then another feature that I actually use quite a bit is play in the background. Uh, so typically, you know, if you're watching YouTube on your phone and you just click the little button to power down your screen, the video stops. It shuts the app. It closes everything. Some videos, you just want to hear them talking, right? You don't necessarily need to watch it. And so sometimes I'll be like, oh, okay, I want to check this out. And I realize it's a talking head video. Uh, you know, even certain podcasts or something like that. You can just turn your phone off and it continues to play. Now, so you got your headphones in or whatever. Uh, you don't even need your phone powered on, like lit up. It can be sitting there charging and you can continue to listen to this YouTube video. I really appreciate that about it. And then my kids were actually asking me, say, well, what does this do to the content creator? Like they don't get paid for the ads. And the fact of the matter is, and I, I know this because I see the percentage breakdowns. If you get YouTube premium, basically what you pay per month, there's an allotment of that that will go to the content creators. And content creators actually make more from the views from people, like significantly more from views from people that have YouTube premium than they do from uh, somebody who would just watch an ad being played. Uh, so that was one question my kids had. So, well, you're not going to make as much money. Um, if everybody had YouTube premium, <laughs> I mean, the I think it'd be like you'd make 10 times more on YouTube than you do currently uh, with just getting people to watch the ads and you get paid on however many ads are playing. So uh, YouTube premium is also a great way to support your favorite creators. You will be getting more money to your creators that you like to watch by using premium than just by watching their ads. And it's so nice not to watch advertisements. I absolutely love it. So that would be my recommendation of the week. Look into it. Again, if YouTube is something you use an awful lot of, I tell you, you know, you know, there's a whole thing, well, I just run ad blockers. Well, I mean, that's kind of, it's, it's kind of rude. It's like saying, oh, I just do insurance fraud. I mean, there's, there's a system involved that's, or like stealing satellite signals. I mean, the reason we have to watch commercials on television is because that's how this stuff gets paid for, right? Um, that's why they have ads on YouTube and 
you know, people won't make a lot of YouTube content for free. Uh, you can't get really big channels that put a great deal of work into their videos, have good audience. I mean, they should get paid for their time, right? Nobody's time is worth nothing. And so um, uh, people that run ad blockers, just it's a complete disregard for the time of the person that makes it. It's a slap in the face. Uh, but YouTube Premium allows you to live that same dream where you're not wasting your own time with these silly ads. And I don't like advertisements. I really don't. Uh, so this YouTube Premium is wonderful wonderful in that regard um i think that's gonna wrap up this episode folks uh yeah it's about all i can think of um yeah got some cool projects coming up that i'm working on for my uh, simple little life youtube channel again if you want to check out jeremy gertz on youtube just me doing all kinds of stuff, whatever. I'm trying to keep the videos all under 10 minutes. Most of them are coming in around five to six minutes. Just little snippets of a day, what's going on. Uh, today's video actually might be putting on winter tires. So if you're curious about that, that might be up there. I'm not going to say for sure because I don't know what the day is going to hold. But I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Really do appreciate it. Uh, the same mumbo jumbo. If you like this, you can give it a review on iTunes. I appreciate it. I've, I'm actually amazed how many people have... I've left some positive reviews on iTunes. And uh, check out the other shows in the Makery Network. There's a lot of good content. There's going to be content that you like. You might not like all of it, but there's going to be some that you like. And uh, I've definitely found a lot of really great podcasts that I like listening to on the Makery Network. Well, guys, I hope, hope you have a wonderful day. Things go well for you in your shop. Stay safe, be good to each other, and we will see you in the next episode. Cheers. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.